Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 123rd edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, a digital forensics, cybersecurity, and information technology firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is Occam's Razor, a solar winds perspective for law firms. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor, PINow.com. If you need a private investigator you can trust, visit PINow.com to learn more. Today, we are lucky to have as our guest, Jeffrey R. Wells, the co-chair of the Cybersecurity, Data Protection, and Privacy Team at Clark Hill. He's a cybersecurity professional responsible for keeping organizations safe and protecting the privacy of employees around the world. With over 25 years of global experience leading cybersecurity engagements, Jeffrey engages clients by leveraging existing infrastructure and talent, establishing effective cyber resilience strategies, and responding to immediate incidents and emerging cyber threats. It's great to have you with us today, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to join you today, especially as my colleagues relish in reminding me that I am not an attorney, I'm a technologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a good thing for our purposes today because there's a lot of technology involved in the discussion. Solar Winds has been in the headlines now for, for a little while. For those who are unfamiliar with it, can you tell us exactly what it is? Yeah, I'll try to break it down uh, simply. Is it, it was an attack that involved hackers, uh, which have now been said to be the Russians, who compromised the infrastructure of a company called SolarWinds, one of their products that was used for monitoring platforms both inside the government and in many commercial firms. The attack then used the access to produce and distribute trojanized updates to the software users, and it has become much bigger than originally thought as the investigation has even recently identified that other threat actors and nation states have been using the vulnerability to gain access across other systems beyond uh, solar winds. Jeffrey, I know you, you mentioned that it, uh, it hit government folks. I know that became really big in the news, but it's not just a, a government issue, right? Yeah, correct. The backdoor you know, was not used just against those government agencies, but importantly, you know, it was used against grid and critical infrastructure operators. And more than 400 of the Fortune 500, at least uh, those that have reported it, and we still don't know the full scope and impact of the number of you know, smaller organizations uh, that were impacted by this greater issue uh, that surrounded uh, the hack. So how would you describe the importance or relevance to the private sector and law firms of this incident? Well, this particular case really highlights the importance of understanding and addressing third-party risks as a key component of securing an organization and protecting your that organization's reputation. 
And these are often overlooked by organizations in general. There's a lot of trust in believing that third parties are safe and doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so this is very relevant for attorneys who work with their clients throughout an entire contracting process to really fully understand the relationships or relationship and implications of partnering with third parties. Jeffrey, can you talk a little bit more about the third parties? And, and you know, I've seen it described as a as, as supply chain, right, uh, attacks uh, and what that risk is. Yeah, and uh, it's third party and supply chain. You know, now, more than ever, organizations really rely on others, which are the third parties, to offer and deliver services such as email or ERP or HR resourcing programs, billing, even hardware and personnel are part of this. And the supply chain that supports the businesses of today, no matter the size of the business, even if it's a sole proprietor, there's an entire supply chain, which is really, that's what it is, a chain of businesses that are supplying the service and supporting that organization. And that supply chain begins with that you know, third party provider, which becomes a fourth party provider, which becomes the fifth party provider. And ju that just keeps on growing into a spider web of interconnectivity that begins to grow exponentially. And as such, the risk grows exponentially and begins to transfer. And everything really begins to multiply downstream to those uh, of us who use uh, third parties. And I can't think of anybody who doesn't. So, so the big movement to the cloud, though, is 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 certainly driving a lot of that, right? <laughs> it certainly has, you know, and it, it's sort of the you know the lower cost to enter into the market space and and the move to the cloud has created tremendous business opportunities. But with those business opportunities, you know, the the risks and those uh, terms and conditions that associate those, it, it pays now more than ever to really be aware of those documents. <laughs> the ones they don't read, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, those. Uh, now, now it's time to read. Yes, pay a little bit closer attention. Which, uh, well, yeah, it's it's always been time to read, but they never do. Yeah, <laughs> they just keep getting smaller and longer. Exactly. That's exactly right. So when we were chatting via email, uh, you came up with the title, which references Occam's Razor, which I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners have no clue what that means. So can you tell me the reference and why you? Chose to use it? Yeah, it was funny. As a, a good friend of mine is a uh, part-time magician, retired technologist, but decided that uh, you know, doing uh, Houdini tricks would be uh, <laughs> a good way to spend his retirement. But his wife has asked him to stop doing that. Uh, it's a little too dangerous. But we were talking, you know, about uh, Occam's razor, which is uh, an old principle that you know, often the most obvious solution is the real solution and that the most complicated solution or answer is is not necessarily the correct one. As I contemplated and, and began to do some research and have been following the SolarWinds case from the very beginning and listening to everyone begin to dissect, you know, the very interesting and technical aspects of the attack, which are unique and they're interesting for a technologist, it became evident to me that 
it really was a simple failure to perform the human aspects of securing an organization. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's is the very simple aspect of knowing how, you know, in the old days when storefronts were open, you would go in to the store and you knew who you were doing business with. And I kind of liken this to knowing who you're doing business with and who they're doing business with, and then understanding the associated risks of doing business with both of them. And that's really, you know, it gets back to, as I said before, is there's a lot of technical and very interesting espionage and lots of, you know, there'll be some wonderful books that probably are inspired by this, but it comes down to the basic tenets of security, which are that the human is responsible for securing the organization. And that goes with understanding who you're doing business with. Yeah, I've, I looked it up online a little bit just to, to, to get the historical <laughs> background to, to Occam's razor. It was interesting that Occam was, did not even come up with the principle. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that, so that, that was kind of weird to me. But, I mean, a lot of people defined it, in essence, as keep it simple. And that's, that, that is what has come out of that. And, and I think that's what you're, you were also driving at. Exactly. Yeah, but, but I love it that a technologist goes into magician, you know, into, into magic, because that's what, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what the vast majority of people think technology is. It's just magic. It's yeah, magic. It, it, well, it, but, it but, is. And can't you magically just push a couple of buttons and fix it? <laughs> that's right. Yep. That's right. Computers are magic. I mean, they, they don't really care how they work. They care that they work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, they're in, and, and computers, uh, you know, just like magic, are really irrelevant until the human comes into play. <laughs> there you go. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PINow understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is Occam's Razor, a solar winds perspective for law firms. Our guest is Jeffrey R. Wells, the co-chair of the Cybersecurity, Data Protection, and Privacy Team at Clark Hill. Jeffrey, before we went off to break, you were, we were talking about keeping things simple. But are, are you really saying that rigorous security systems are, are not that, that important, though, as a result? No, uh, and this is not just the technologist in me speaking, but no, not at all. While technology really is an essential part of security, it's just one piece. And, you know, there's sort of the the there's three pieces that are essential is the you know the humans that use it the technology and then when those two pieces interact is when the security becomes real and in the aftermath and i think we're still in the aftermath but just over you know the last 9 weeks i've seen a lot of organizations product and services company reacting to solar winds from a very technical perspective saying, you know, we have a uh, software or hardware solution that can you know, help prevent the next solar winds. 
And while I think that those <laughs> technologies are, 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 you know, as I said, essential, I don't know that we need more red blinking lights telling us that there are problems. It's hard enough to monitor all the problems that are there. The complexity that exists already has become almost unburdensome, which I think was part of the problem in this particular case. And so you know, we kind of need it to find and rebalance take this time to really look at the simple things that we need to address in order to reduce risk and increase resiliency to organizations or even our individual you know, uh, situations uh, uh, at home. Yeah, I, I was reading that there are a lot of businesses that, that had solar winds installed, but they weren't even using it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know. That seems simple, uninstalled. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, and not even knowing that it's there. Uh, And so, you know, it's, I I was talking with an organization just the other day and said, can you just provide me an inventory of the software and services and hardware that you're using? And they said, that'll take us probably a couple of weeks to put together and look at the number of pieces of software that are running on probably your laptop at the moment. You couldn't tell me all of them. I couldn't probably tell you all that are running on mine. So what is your your whole answer to John's uh, question? What does that mean? What's the practical impact for law firms and attorneys, Jeffrey? As the non-attorney, I believe that this is really where the five main principles of sort of legal ethics come into play, especially at that intersection where law firms and attorneys meet the challenges that come with dealing with third parties and technology, because law firms and technologies are the, the last line of trusted counsel to help their clients really understand and identify and then come up with ways to address the risks presented by working in this interconnected world that we all have no choice but to really operate in. Jeffrey, I'm not an attorney either, and I'm a technologist, but can we, can we talk a little bit about some of the practical considerations, I guess, going going forward? Because, you know, as we talked earlier, there's this big push and movement to the cloud services and, and third parties. And, you know, you're exactly right. We're trusting all these these third parties to not have mess ups, right? And, and a lot yeah. of lawyers I know, they're, they're using cloud-based practice management. I mean, they're entrusting yeah. their client confidential data to these folks. But yet at the end of the day, it's the attorney that's responsible and quote liable, if you will. And I'd say is, um, you know, they're very much so is don't leave your reputation in someone else's hands. And certainly outsourcing has its clear benefits, you know, from lowering the costs to, uh, you know, to increase efficiencies and uh, productivity. But, you know, the value that third parties really bring are eroded by those associated risks. And I always like to say, trust but verify. And so in in working with these third parties, if you do look at the the fine print of those agreements that you you often engage in, you know, it does say that uh, they will conduct annual vulnerability tests or complete a SOC compliance. And I say, show me your annual vulnerability assessment show me your SOC compliance. Don't just tell me that you have them. And the vulnerabilities that were identified, what are you doing with those? And who else are you doing business with? And what is the state of their vulnerabilities and their security? You know, as I was talking with somebody the other day, a a major international organization that said, oh, the provider that uh, does that for us outsources that particular aspect to the web host designer. 
and here's their contact information. Maybe you can find out for us. And I contacted that uh, the designer, and they said, "Oh, here's the the link to the uh, the cookie uh, policy verification system that we use." And I clicked on that particular link, and it actually was just the evaluation page for that particular plugin, and it had one star. <laughs> And I said, you know, I, I'm not so sure, you know, that, that that's uh, the way you want to do it. But you know, it's sort of doing some due diligence, much as, you know, especially with the web, is just look to see as, uh, as someone that you're doing business with had a challenge, an incident of some sort, whether that's technical or, you know, in the public space, you know, just uh, do a quick search. And if they've had uh, some challenges, you know, ask them about that, or at least begin to to uh, figure out ways to uh, address the the risks that those provide, but at least you're aware of what you're getting into earlier rather than later, because whether they have the problem or not, you know, it's their reputation, their and their problems really just truly become your problems. Once uh, the news, you know, now that we're calling this the Solar Winds hack, even though the designers weren't from that particular company. Well, your answer makes me laugh a little bit because we are always using Ronald Reagan's trust but verify phrase (laughs) when we lecture in webinars because people do trust and they do not verify. And that doesn't make any darn sense in in this world. It doesn't. And, you know, the interesting thing is that there is a trust but verify kind of at the beginning. But, uh, you know, at the, the year two of the renewal or, you know, if there's a piece in where it's six months down the line, you know, nobody tends to, to follow that up. And, and there's a lot of reasons why the, there may not be a third-party management program or even the ability to effectively kind of keep control of that, depending on the size of the organization. But it is, you know, maybe putting those calendar reminders just to send out a quick email to your third-party provider and say, hey, it's time for your vulnerability assessment, can I see what the results were? Or (laughs) those types of, I just want to keep verifying so I can trust you. Absolutely. And you should. But having addressed the risks, you also mentioned that uh, an opportunity. What is that, Jeffrey? I think the opportunities, especially for law firms and attorneys on top of organizations, is to help to establish, you know, robust regulatory understandings and the offer and service offerings around those, especially regulations uh, that deal with data and you know with the rise domestically with the uh, CCPA and CPRA and then uh, in Europe the GDPR and I believe there are 23 data privacy laws on the books around the country at the moment is kind of understanding that piece as an opportunity I think for attorneys and firms. And then to, you know, to help uh, clients know where their data is, because not knowing where that data is doesn't just pose security problems. You know, it, it does have real potential regulatory impact and regulatory pressure around data protection and privacy is increasing and the ramifications of noncompliance broaden significantly when you think about all of the third parties in that spider web that are essential to an organization's daily operations. I'd say another area is helping clients to get contracting right. And this, again, I'm gonna say trust but verify, but it's, you know, assisting clients in understanding and navigating the risks that exist in the supply chain and develop addendums and agreements that help to mitigate or at least address those risks. 
And then, as I, I mentioned before, you know, is is asking for proof of those audits and compliance reports and assessments, and where possible, you know, even you know, if you're a small organization, it could still establish you know vendor management procedures that uh, require timely reviews, so that uh, there's an at least you know a, a modicum of uh, of understanding of the risks that uh, this. Uh, true chain of uh, in the supply chain offers to their clients. Well, Jeffrey, I know there's a, a lot of lawyers and law firms that are out there now. They're probably scratching their heads going, oh, geez, all right, I, I'm, I get it. I, I guess I got to read the terms of service now. I got to do some due diligence. I have to trust and verify. But are, are there other issues that, that attorneys and law firms should be considering? Yes. As much as you know, a doctor needs to go see his own doctor. Is that these don't just apply to clients or sole practitioners, but it you know this applies to attorneys and firms. That uh, you know, I recommend that they should be developing and maintaining effective third-party risk management programs and looking at their agreements, helping to ensure that their vendors have strong controls in place. To protect their organizations, you know, from all of the fiscal, operational, regulatory, and reputational risk, you know, you can probably recover from fiscal and operational and, and regulatory risks, but reputational risk is is one of the hardest to, to recover from. Absolutely true. And I hope uh, those who are listening to us uh, get that message, but I think they do. And we sure want to thank you for being our guest today, Jeffrey. I uh, I love talking to technologists, which is probably part of why I married John. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a perfect but, pair. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. So lawyers were not all that excited about the solar winds thing until they found out that the federal court system had been breached. Mm-hmm. Uh, that caught their attention. Yep. But I think listening today, because most of our listeners Listeners are are in the legal profession. Um, they're, they're certainly going to be very interested in everything that you had to say. So thank you for sharing your technical expertise with us. It was great. Well, thank you uh, so very much for inviting me to share today. And I hope that the listeners did find some value in this. And I wish you both and I, and everyone happiness and good health. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or an Apple Podcast. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and cybersecurity services at senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.